hello and get ready. Prepare your heart as we dive into the Word of God. Pastor Steve Castle of Beloved Church in Lena, Illinois, is about to lead you into a life-changing encounter with grace and truth. Jesus Christ has a divine destiny for those who are willing to open their hearts to receive His favor and blessing into their life. Our prayer is that you will allow the presence of the Holy Spirit to radically display the Father's love for you. You are part of God's beloved family, and that means you are greatly loved. Now over to Pastor Steve. All right, um, you are going to hear a message. Um, I will I will bet anybody in the mon- in the room, even if you are a betting person, that you have never in your entire life heard a message like this a about healing or b on Valentine's. I'll bet anybody in the room any amount of money you got. I mean, we're not a gambling church. But I'll gamble on this sucker right here. So I want to prepare you. I strongly encourage you, if you do not have a Bible or a Bible app, to raise your hand so that one of these lovely people can give you one. And you can have it and hold it and take it home, and it's yours to keep. Um, The body of Christ is generally defeated because we have no weapon. There's only one offensive weapon in the entire life of a Christian. And it's not it's not women who can nag. It's not uh, it's not carrying signs with you're going to hell because you're a sinner. The only weapon that a Christian has in their life is the word of God. And what's radical to me is how many Christians don't have a clue. Amen. Amen means so be it. Amen. A no. <laughs> my wife, uh, we did breakout sessions at the Marriage Covenant weekend. And my wife, I, I think she started with, I don't know, I wasn't allowed to go. Because I had to do my own session. Um, and no, none of the people would tell me she did she did a session with every guy and she did a session with every girl and uh and i asked her what her sessions was and she's like none of your bees i'm like the heck i'm sleeping with the teacher i don't even get a benefit so much for that covenant (laughs) everything that's yours is mine and mine is yours uh, but she said that she started off both sessions with kind of the same thing, but they were different. She started off both sessions by asking the group, uh, which of you know all of the scriptures in the Bible and where to find them on marriage? And she didn't, like I would have been like, make it, raise your hand. <laughs> But she was basically asserting, and I think rightfully so, that even all these people that paid money, drove, took off work, did all the stuff that they had to do to be in a Marriage Covenant Weekend uh, conference, even those folks didn't know where the verses were, how many there were, and how to find them. They are the instructions for marriage. Period. If your marriage has instructions outside of that context, then your marriage is defined by the world, which means defined by Satan. Satan is the god of this world. God is the god. (laughs) God created marriage, so he defines it. Amen. Y'all are like, oh, Lord... God defined life. God defined good and evil. It's in the book. Most folks don't know the book. Most folks don't even care to know the book. And one of the things that gets me is I know John chapter 1, verse 1, that says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then I think it's in verse 14 that says, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus is the flesh of the Word. And when someone says, I love Jesus, 
and they don't know their Bible? I'm not saying they're a liar out loud. But that would be like saying, I love Kay. When's the last time you've been with her or seen her? Oh, uh, when was 2015? How long ago was that? Well, you know, I talk to other people about Kay. Like, I actually have a guy that comes to me and tells me things about Kay. I call him pastor. Oh, that's the same thing. There's only one way, and I'm totally not off track. This is on purpose. There's only one way to bear children. Anybody need an explanation? I will. I got some boldness after this weekend. Um, there's only one way to bring forth fruit. And that's through intimacy. And a bunch of people, you know, you know what's super frustrating? <laughs> I'm going to connect with every single teenager in the room. What's really frustrating is knowing about that process and not having access to it. And you know how many Christians live that way? Well, I know I'm supposed to be healed. I know I'm supposed to be blessed. I know I'm supposed to be loved. I know I'm supposed to... All these, all these benefits and never have. Never have been pregnant with any of them because you've never had intercourse. And the Word of God is where the Lord and I, it's literally called a seed. In the Greek, spora. Which is where we get our English word sperm. I'm sorry that you don't like this. I'm telling you the Bible. It's literally the spore of heaven. And it goes into my heart, which is a womb. And it bears much fruit, John chapter 15. And if you're not bearing much fruit, it's because you've never allowed that spore into your heart. And it's because you probably never had intimacy with the one who creates those spores. Does anybody else need a Bible? I know it's Valentine's Day, and I know it's Healing Sunday. So, watch this. This is called Love and Guts. I know. Sounds just like a Valentine's Day message, doesn't it? Perfect card. In third century Rome, so in the 200s in Rome, Rome, the Greco-Roman Empire, percentage-wise, was the largest, most powerful, and longest-lasting system of government that has ever existed in humanity. And I know a bunch of you are like, I'm, I'm just telling you, just take my word for it, go research it later. Percentage-wise, because a bunch of the world was, you know, not the way it is today. But the Roman Empire, um, at its peak, literally possessed about 20% of all human life on the planet. And that includes people that didn't have any governments, you know, folks on islands and all that kind of stuff, villages. They were ruling over 20% of the Earth's population. It was massive. Massive. And it lasted, if you, if you put the Greeks and the Romans together, it lasted about 500... And some will argue to six, some kind of say four, but the point, like, let's just call a truce at 500. 500 years of basically the same system of government. We're only 240 in, and we're on the verge of a civil war, which would be the second civil war. <laughs> there are 500 years of a system of government. 
And I'm not saying it was perfect, but I want you to understand that what they were doing in a way was so good that it was encompassing that many people and it was lasting that long. And in uh, third century Rome, uh, which was only about a hundred years before basically the Roman Empire ceased to exist. During the third century Rome, they were invaded by the Goths. Uh, and I'm not going to go into all this history. But the Goths, the parallel to the Goths would be, in our world, would be uh, like communism or Islam, which I call Islamo-commies, um, which they're, both those systems are the same. One is a, re- a religious derivative. One is a specific non-religious derivative. But... Um, Sharia law and communism are, are kissing cousins. And the whole world right now is being attacked by Islamo Kami, and it would be the equivalent to the, the Greco-Roman Empire, the Roman Empire being attacked by the Goths. These were people that literally came on purpose to destroy the Roman system and, in, and uh, enslave their people. That's exactly what's going on in our world today. Islam commies are trying to invade all of humanity, take them captive, and uh, molest us for all of the advantageous things that they think that they can squeeze from us. And what's radical to me is how many people are just like, okay, where, you know, where do you put the handcuffs and, and, and which slave camp do you want me to go live in? Will you give me $600 a week? During this exact same time while they're being invaded by the Goths, um, there was a plague called the Plague of uh, Cyprian, which uh, all of the historians believe was something like smallpox. And it broke out, and it was killing 5,000 people a day. Now, to put that in perspective... The uh, Earth's population was speculated to be around 300 million people on the Earth. And if Rome had 20% of it, then you can start doing the math. It would be the equivalent of COVID in America killing about 50,000 people a day. Which, I'm, I hope that you were paying attention enough to realize that never happened in our pandemic. That's what was going on. So they were invaded by probably one of the strongest, most intense, and honestly, probably one of the most wicked people groups. At the exact same time that they're having a pandemic in their nation that is killing 5,000 people a day. So many people died that they actually had a legitimate shortage of soldiers in the army to defend the nation from the Goths. (laughs) And so the emperor at that time, in his demonic wisdom, his name was Claudius II, um, because he needed more soldiers... He believed that men fought better if they were not married. Which is kind of radical because if I'm a single dude and you say, I'm going to come and, you know, come after your nation and kill you, I'd be like, well, let's go, buddy. But if I'm married and I got two kids and somebody says, hey, I'm going to come take over your nation, kill your wife and kill your children, (laughs) you better be packing something hard. It, which is radical, but this is how uh, this is how those kind of people think. They think that's something that God has ordained, that God calls is good and God calls a blessing. They think it's evil and wrong and bad. And so Claudius decided that he would outlaw married men, and uh, by uh, kind of by accident, outlaw marriage. And I know that you'd be shocked. To find out during that time that uh, 
because traditional marriage was banned in the married in the in the military that the nation became uh, exasperated in depopulation. I know that's shocking. That you don't have traditional marriage and for some reason there's less children. Do you know in America today the birth rate is the lowest it's ever been since the inception of our country? Including world wars, Spanish flu, any, anything you can name. Civil war in our nation. The birth rate today is the lowest it's ever been. It's a combination of the destruction of traditional marriage and the ideology of, I just really don't want to be pregnant because I'd rather live my life and not have the luggage of a kid. And, well, kids cost a lot. I like my money. And uh, irreverent sexual unions. And the number one killer in the entire earth, abortion, where we murder a child in a womb for the sin, for the crime of being conceived. So they were experiencing great depopulation in Rome at that time. So if you add the depopulation... And the epidemic, because it wasn't a pandemic, the epidemic that was going on in Rome, the destruction of their culture, you will find out that there are some other things that exploded, like pedophilia. I know, that's surprising, right? You know, there's parallels in our nation right now. There's a 600% increase in 2020 in child abuse. 600% increase in an already devastating number in America. We have yet to reap the whirlwind of what happened in these lockdowns and shutdowns. We have yet to reap them. Thank God he's bringing us into a great awakening. Pedophilia, molestation, rape, these exploded. Why? Because the government made an edict. Marriage bad. Thus saith thy God, the government. It kind of sounds like 2015 when the Supreme Court said, we'll redefine marriage for you, God. You're obviously not as smart as us. And the nation celebrated. We, we colored the White House. We took away the white. We took away the purity of the White House by color, co- covering it with a rainbow. And what irritates me is the rainbow is literally the sign of God's covenant with mankind that he would never be wroth nor rebuke us again. You'll find out that the enemy literally wants to take all of our symbology, all of our language, all of our truths, and then twist them into his. That's all he has. Satan is not creator. He's manipulator. So all he can take is what the Creator created and twist it, manipulate it. The word twisted in the Bible is wicked. And you probably get that if you have any wicker furniture. The reason it's called wicker is because there's strands of wood or, or whatever that's, that's, that's twisted together. And it creates wicker furniture. That's where we get wicker from is wicked. And wicked just means twisted. So God says, this is marriage. And the enemy says, hey, how about this? And twists it.
Before that, we had don't ask, don't tell, right? Because evil always goes away when you don't recognize it. You don't tell, oh, don't look over there. There's nothing bad over there. Don't look behind the curtain. Just listen to the voice. Um, some of you may know that within the first, I think it was four days, uh, the plastic president did an EO that says that we are on purpose going to bring transgenderism into the military and pay for people who want to mutilate their bodies to get there. With the, I think it was four or five days. That was one of his executive orders. I, I know there's, there's actually no parallel to what I'm telling you happened in Rome in 200 at all. I'm just being political because that's what I get accused of all the time. It, it's, it's amazing to me how political I am because I read history. <laughs> so they did this in history. We're doing this now, and I'm not allowed to talk about it because it's called political. But if I read the Bible, written in history, and apply it to our lives today, I'm being gospel. Someone help me with that. Never mind. I'll get over it. Uh, Rome was also torn from internal rivalries, which continued since the assassination of the previous emperor. And his name was Galenius. Um... It's really interesting how in that same time that they had this invasion, like we're having, that they had this massive epidemic, kind of like what we're having, what we're being told. They had the, the on-purpose, focused breakdown of the traditional family unit called the nuclear family, the, tri- the, the purposeful attack on that institution that God created, which is just like our, our current time, and they were in the middle of all of this internal national unrest that had to do with the assassination of a president. Or in other words, someone was the president of Rome who got there illegitimately. Oh, my Lord. Someone say amen. Amen. I can't actually say it because we'll be shut down. I've already lost videos because I've mentioned those kind of things. Because as a preacher in America today, I'm the most dangerous person and I have to be suppressed and shut down. And, you know, eventually they'll come for me and they'll put me in a boxcar and take me to a re-education camp. Emperor, Emperor Claudius II quelled these tensions by requesting the Roman Senate to deify the emperor. Well, if you make the leader a god, well, then everybody will just stop being pokey. <laughs> it, it's not, it doesn't have any parallels to the mainstream media deifying the leaders of our country. There's a governor in New York that they literally have said that he was like a god the way he handled the pandemic and they have the largest percentage of dead people, specifically in nursing homes. He literally murdered people in nursing homes. Literally. And he's being exalted. And and I'm not mincing words. They're literally exalting him. Some of these people have made the covers of magazines. For us to get the magazine, put up a little shrine, put candles around it, and then we can bow at the altar of some of these people that are being praised and worshipped by our nation. You want to be really popular in today's culture, like Hollywood or something like that? Become the most deviant Person you could ever possibly imagine. Marilyn Manson. Just literally. See how deviant, how, how much you can take away the image of God. And they will promote you 
until you own it all. Lady Gaga. I know some of you are too old to catch up on all this wokeness. But these are the people. Greta Thunberg, whatever her name is, that gal. Uh, she has 5 million Instagram followers. While she screams at the world for producing electricity that produces the social media that gives her 5 million followers. What about cancel culture? And, and what's kind of funny about it is there's only specific groups that are canceled. It's like you pick and choose. I'm sure it's super random that it's just Christian, conservative. And it's not like any of those kind of people have been arrested or threatened or just decided to open their church based upon the First Amendment and they got cease and desist letters that told them they were going to jail for two years if they don't shut it down. That, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't, they just didn't like target churches. It was all gatherings of people everywhere. And no, riots don't, that's not actual gatherings of people. That was just made up. Those were movie scenes. Those weren't real people gathered together doing unpeaceable things. You know, the, the most terrible thing you could ever possibly do in America is get together in a church and deify the only true deity. If we, if we would get together out there and deify the government or deify the leaders while we were burning down buildings, we would, we would all get medals of honor and we would be praised by the media. All of this is going on at the exact same time. And then in 250 AD, uh, Emperor Emperor God, uh, Decian, specifically targeted persecution of Christians. He literally finally said it, what everybody knew. Let's get them Christians specifically. In an edict that he released. An edict. Interesting that that's the word. An edict. Not legislation, not an actual law that went through the Senate, because they had one of those in Rome, but he just decided that Christians had to either deny their conscience or die. It became legal to kill Christians who did not agree with and practice their way of thinking. Specifically at this time when they deified the emperor, you were required in Rome every time you went into and out of a, a, a public building or a governmental building, you had to buy a little bit of incense and throw it on the fire that was in front of the little statuette of the emperor. And that was one of your ways of worship. It was like a tax. And if you didn't pay it, because your conscience said that you weren't going to worship the emperor because he wasn't really a god, then they knew that you were a Christian. It was the only group of people in all of Rome that would not do it. It's the only group that wouldn't take the mark that they were forcing them to take. During the first three centuries of Christianity, there were ten major persecutions in which the government threw Christians to the lions, boiled them alive. Some people don't know this. The Apostle John, they boiled him in oil to martyr him twice, and he wouldn't die. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Wasn't his time. So they threw him on the Isle of Patmos to teach him a lesson for preaching all that Jesus stuff. And so then he just writes the book of Revelation. 
like, take that government. Like, John's one of my heroes. Steve, we're going to put you and your church in jail. Mm, nah. No, we really are. Here's the letter that says so. Mm, no. We're going to send, I got, uh, some of you don't know this, but um, I got word that the governor is in charge of the Illinois State Police and the Illinois National Guard. And so even though uh, our local, uh, for those of you that don't know this, the local police chief, his name is Steve Shively, is a great guy. I don't think I've said this publicly, and I don't know if I should. Um, he's a really amazing guy, and he, how can I say this? He went um, out of his way and at his own expense and potential demise to make sure that we were okay during those times. Does that make sense? Okay. Um, so I didn't, I think I did that well. Um, all the local folks, the county sheriff, who I actually have a great relationship with because I've been a, um, I have been a chaplain at the county jail for, I think, seven years now. Um, so I have a great relationship with the, the county sheriff. And he, uh, um, he alluded to the fact that we weren't going to have to be too concerned about anything that he or his department was going to do. I think I said that well, all right, too. So, the governor was pretty perturbed in those times because he, the police chief wasn't going to do anything. Yeah. It was kind of actually doing the opposite. Um, the sheriff wasn't going to do anything. And so his only recourse was to make the Illinois National Guard or the Illinois State Police come after us. And so I got hints from people that loved me. Um, I have friends in low places. And they said, hey, this is who the governor has in charge. And I remember thinking, like, man, if they only knew who's on our side. <laughs> Second, King, Second Kings chapter 4, where uh, some of you may not know this story, but um, Elisha was the prophet of God in the land at that time. And he was basically kind of like chillaxing at his house in between itinerant ministries and he was sleeping and his uh, his servant, his associate pastor, uh, his name was Gehazi. Gehazi comes out of the comes out of the house or the hotel that they're staying at. I could just I could literally picture this. I've pictured this so many times. Comes out of the hotel room, stands out on the balcony, I can see him in the in the Hilton robe, drinking a cup of coffee. And then realizes the entire army has surrounded them, too. I could then imagine what he did to his robe. <laughs> Runs back inside. Master, master! The entire army's here! I could see Elisha being like, What? The army! All the strong people. And I could see... I could see Elisha come out and say, Ah, oh, Lord, can you let him see what I see? And then the Lord does. And Gehazi sees the heavenly hosts of chariots and angels all completely surrounding everything. And don't you know, Gehazi probably finished his coffee. And likely, Elisha went back to bed. It, it all depends on your perspective. And when I heard that, um, lots of ministers, but Andrew Womack says it uh, the most, and so I quote him on this, the enemy always overplays his hand. And so when I got news, like, they're going to send the National Guard and the Illinois State Police after us, I was like, all right, they're done. They've lost it. I'm like, there ain't no way that they're going to call up the National Guard. Sergeant, there's this church in Lena. 
The insurrectionists are meeting and reading the Bible. Go get them. I can imagine a sergeant be like, who in the world gave you acid last night? (laughs) They were being boiled alive. They had their tongues cut out. Why there? What would be the equivalent of having your tongues cut out in 2021? Both. Both. Having to wear a mask everywhere so nobody can hear what you're saying. Because cannot, yeah, now you got to wear two. Just to make sure that if you did get a word out, that it got caught by the second mask. And then on top of it, while you're wearing two masks, we're canceling your Facebook account because God forbid you actually say something that somebody else doesn't agree with. Because the fa- I literally did a post yesterday from a scientific magazine reviewed by scientists that got fact-checked by a dude in an office somewhere in Facebook world who obviously knows more than the 5,000 scientists that peer-reviewed the science that I released. 5,000 scientists were peer-reviewed by one dude at Facebook headquarters that said, no, you're wrong. I've gone to high school. I know you might be shocked by that. I've gone to high school. And I cannot tell you how many times I've sat in the class and I said, this teacher is stupid. And I've had parents. And I cannot tell you how many times they were telling me how life works. And I'm like, these people are ignoramuses. I am 15 years old. I know everything. I know how this guy in Facebook headquarters feels. Because he knows everything. And those 5,000 scientists, stupid. With their science. Crazy. St. Valentine. was either a priest in Rome or a bishop in a place called Terni, which is in central Italy. He risked the emperor's wrath by standing up for traditional marriage, secretly marrying soldiers and their young brides. And their brides. The preacher... The preacher stood with God and defended traditional marriage and saved Rome. And we know him as Saint Valentine, the saint of love that we celebrate today. who died in 269 A.D. from being killed by the government for defending traditional marriage. When Emperor Claudius demanded that Christians deny their conscience and worship pagan idols, St. Valentine refused. He was arrested, dragged before the perfect of Rome, and condemned him to die. While awaiting execution, his jailer, whose name was Asterius, asked St. Valentine to pray for his blind daughter. When she miraculously regained her sight, the jailer converted and was baptized along with many others. So Divine, supernatural, miraculous healing followed 
Valentine in giving Rome an opportunity to not only experience that covenant that God created in marriage, but also experience the covenant that God had with mankind for divine health. I wonder where he got this revelation in 269 that God would heal the blind and that God would help him defend traditional marriage at the same time. St. Valentine is one of my heroes who stood against the government well, I'm sure all of his peers were calling him political. And stood for divine health, the supernatural and the miraculous at the same time. And because of it, everybody today is celebrating Valentine's Day. His name resonates every year. And depending on how much TV you watch for weeks before and maybe weeks after because you're a terrible guy and you didn't get your wife something. His name resonates and resonates because he stood for what God called the covenant of marriage and what God called the covenant of health. Right before his execution, St. Valentine wrote a letter to the jailer's daughter, signing it from your Valentine. To kill him, they beat him with clubs and stoned him. But when it didn't work, they beheaded him. Sever the body from the head, the body dies. Anybody know who the head of the church is? John 13.35 says... By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if, I think it's radical that the Lord used the word if. You'd think that he'd use the word when. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one for another. I, when I was young in Bible college, I used to look at this verse and I thought it was evangelistic. Like, this is the way we're going to win the world, man. We're going to go love them. And people still do this today. They think that they have this divine mandate that if you just go love evil people, that there'll be this miraculous thing that takes place and they'll just get saved. Like they'll fall over saved. That's not true. And it is true. And it's not true. And it is true. It's both. You can love folks into the kingdom. You can literally put so much agape on them that you make it so they either want to kill you, kill themselves, or surrender. But it's still not this one-size-fits-all, paint-with-a-broad-brush, the only way that folks are ever going to come into the kingdom. Some folks need to know that if they continue the direction of their life, they're going to die. And probably take people out with them. Jude talks about this. Jude is one of the shortest books in the New Testament, and it's got so many radical truths in it. At the very end of Jude, it says, hey, there's some people that we're going to pull out by compassion. We're going to love them right out of... Out of hell. And there's other people that are basically going to jump out of hell because the flames are going to be licking their feet. And they're going to get scared. There's lots of ways for folks to come out of the enemy's system. So please don't limit God on how He wants to do that. Am I telling you not to love people? Because some people say, well, Pastor said we don't have to love nobody. We're just going to go wrath them all and they're all going to get saved. No, no. In fact, some of you people that have been wrathing people, that's the reason they're not saved. Amen. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples. If you have love one for another. The church, y'all. Christians in a church. 
You know why I didn't want to start a church? Christians. I'm being for real. My dad was a pastor. I grew up in the church. As mom, we, we got we got some of the worst torture and pain and abuse that any person could ever possibly imagine. In the name of God, in the church, I can tell you story after story after story. There's times that I was sitting on the back row, literally minding my own business, coloring coloring books, and I broke a crayon one time, coloring in a coloring book. And I bent over to get the crown, and I made some noise. I think I, I think there was a tambourine. Dear Jesus, tambourines! You bring a tambourine to this church. Tambour, tambourines and shofars are like. Anyway. I bent over, I think I bumped a tambourine, and an elder in that church swooped me up, took me in the bathroom, and tanned me so hard that I think I cried for a week. Because I was a rebellious, terrible little brat kid or something like that. And I was the preacher's kid. I mean, I, I was a bad kid, but not that bad. <laughs> Love one for another. You know, I can literally tell everyone in this church, go out there, love your neighbor, be good to people at the Walmart, stop by the Sullivans and bless someone, be kind. And everybody be, amen, preacher, good message. But God forbid if I said, the person to your left and the person to your right, you need to lay your life down for them. Give them all your money. Give them your car. Give them your house. Give them your affection. Don't ever say another evil, judgmental, condemning word about them for the rest of your life. Do that. I'll thin this church out in a hurry. (laughs) I've done it before. I actually complained about that to the Lord one time. I'm like, man, it's like it's like seems like sometimes when we get this momentum and, and people start coming and, and we start filling up, it's like something happens. And he goes, Yeah, I know, me too. <laughs> and so then I didn't feel so bad. By this shall all men know that you are I just got really yeah. by this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love. One for another. You know what the difference between a Christian and a disciple is? This is one of the verses. And and just like in Jesus' day, Jesus had 12 disciples. And tens of thousands of people that followed him. It's about the percentage today, too. And I know everybody in the room is like, well, I'm a disciple. That means this guy. Guess what you just did? Not that verse. I'm a disciple. They're a terrible Christian. Be it unto you according to your thought. John fifteen thirteen. greater love has no man than this, that he lay his life down for his friends. You know, not everybody is your friend. And I'm, I could potentially make some, some younger folks cry by saying this, but not everybody that's your friend on Facebook is your friend. At least for all the young girls in the room, I can say this. Almost every guy that is your friend on Facebook, likes you because you probably potentially put a little too much cleavage on your Facebook profile picture, and believe it or not, they're actually attracted to what you're advertising. I know, I used to be one of those guys. I was really good at being that guy. Not everybody that you work with that talks nice to you in front of you is your friend. 
I, I hate to say this. It's just true. Not everybody at church is your friend. We should be. Jesus specifically said. But I also know not everybody wants to be discipled. I know. I've been asking for disciples for nine years. And I can count on two hands and two toes how many people have actually committed to it. I've had people start and get offended and be done. I've had some people say they never want to do it. As some people get too busy. Too busy to be a disciple. But I'm in good stead because the Lord picked 12 and one of them... Judas, read your Bibles. Matthew chapter 14, verse 1. At that time, Herod, the Tetrarch, heard of the fame of Jesus. I cannot preach. That one verse I could spend an hour on. And said unto his servants, this is John the Baptist. He's risen from the dead. And therefore, mighty works do show forth themselves in him. For, and this is why Herod got all freaked out and scared and perturbed. For Herod had laid hold on John and bound him and put him in prison for Herodias' sake, his brother Philip's wife. He did it for a check. Politicians have been doing this a long time. For John said unto him, John, preacher, now I want to, I want you guys to hear this. John, preacher, said to the governor, you know how many people have chastised me? Well, Jesus didn't deal with the government. Again, it's people that's never read their Bible. John said to the government, (laughs) this is so radical. For Herod laid hold on John and bound him and put him in prison for Herodias' sake, his brother Philip's wife. For John said unto him, it is not lawful for you to have her. You know what John did? He fussed at the king about traditional marriage. He said, it's not right just because you're the king to take another lower king's wife from her because you outrank him. It's sexual deviancy. It's fornication. It's adultery. It is not what God set up. And you, governor, you don't have the right just because you have power and authority to violate God's laws. And then the angels came down from heaven and they heard... Uh, uh, the, the trumpet sound and then there was glory dust and Peter Pan flew by and John the Baptist had a parade. Whoop, whoop, I shut the government down. No, the government got mad and arrested him to shut him up because he was right. You don't try to shut down people that are wrong. Man, I hope you get that. You don't get offended at the preacher who's saying things wrong. You know who gets offended when we talk about money? Let me change it. You know who gets offended when we talk about sexual purity? No married people who are completely pure in their marriage are met. Well, don't talk about sexual purity, Pastor. It offends me. I've actually had parents call me up. You need to do more of it. My kids need to hear it. (laughs) Get them kids. (laughs) You get them kids. (laughs) You're stinking. I mean, they're your young offspring. Whereupon he promised in an oath, this is what he did. Whereupon he promised with an oath to give her whatsoever she would ask. What's the power of a woman? We talked about this at Marriage Covenant Weekend. Women, when you guys decided to go, not you guys, the other ones that aren't here, you out there in YouTube land, when all you ladies decided to go march and try to get uh, women's equality, you greatly reduced your power and your influence. 
in your quest for power, you lost it. And she, being before instructed of her mother, said, Give me here John the Baptist's head in a charger. You know, the average guy would say, I think you're a creepy chick. Uh, that's just my thought. Maybe some of you guys are out there like, no, that's my ex-girlfriend. I don't know. And the king was sorry. Yeah, he was sorry, all right. Nevertheless, for the oath's sake, and them which sat with him at meat, he commanded it to be given her. You know why John the Baptist died? Because he fussed at the king over traditional marriage. And so then the king could tip a stripper. He beheaded her. And that's really what happened. That was the present to the stripper. Because Herodias' daughter danced in front of them and stripped. And so because he was excited about her striptease dance, the tip was to behead John the Baptist and give her a head in a basket. And people wouldn't do that. This is why people don't believe their Bible. There's no way. Okay. And the king was sorry. Verse 10, And he sent and beheaded John in the prison. And his head was brought in a charger and given to the damsel. And she brought it to her mama. Here you go, mom. Happy Valentine's Day. And his disciples came and took up the body and buried it and went and told Jesus. Those of you that don't know, John the Baptist was Jesus' cousin and probably his closest friend. Probably by, by far, I would say, his closest friend. Cousin and friend. When Jesus heard of it, he departed thence by ship into a desert place apart. He wanted to be alone. Just for a minute. Because of what they just did to his friend and his cousin. The government. I could literally imagine. Because Jesus could have called six legion of angels. And you'd think that he didn't think about it. Come on now. He had to process through this stuff. It's the king of kings, the lord of lords. There was a lot of ways. He could have responded to this. And I can tell you this, none of them were going to be good for Herod. And his little floozy gal friend. So he went to think about it. When stuff, when big things happen to you, take a note from Jesus' way of life. Instead of just popping off, having your little flesh flash, because you're justified... You might want to think about it. While he was thinking about it. And when the people had heard thereof, they followed him on foot out of the cities. Jesus went into a boat. They followed him on the shore and watched the boat. This is a good church, by the way. How many people would walk around and follow me? And Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion toward them and healed their sick. Sounds like St. Valentine. He saw a great company and was moved with compassion, with compassion and healed their sick. Compassion is... In the Greek, it's like one of the biggest words ever. I'll not try to say it, but it's about 15 letters long. And it means to be moved as to one's bowels. It means your guts. He was moved in his guts towards the crowd and healed them. In the center of his being. In fact, this big old long Greek word, 
comes from the word splagshanon, which in the Bible is translated heart, lungs, liver, and guts. He was moved in his guts. Not with anger towards Herod for what happened to his friend and cousin. But he understood that spiritual dynamic that was at play. Herod was being used by Satan. And he didn't wrestle against flesh and blood. So how did he stick a needle in Satan's eye? How did he give him that one blow? Healing. The sick. All you folks that have amen me all along while I've been poking at the government and all the stuff they're doing, we're about to find out what you really believe. Do you lay hands on the sick? Do you believe for healing yourself? This is what Jesus did as an affront to the evil demonic government of his day. This is what St. Valentine did. Are you doing this? Or is that healing doctrine, is that... eh? You're probably not moved in your guts. You're just politically irritated. And I get this all the time. Because people know that I'm that guy. I'm that pastor at that church. And so I go all over the country. and And I preach messages like this. And people are bringing them in. Yeah, we're bringing in that... Political American heritage guy, pastor dude, that did the thing. Right. Everybody, get your, get your Trump hats. Steve's coming. And then I preach this. I don't get a lot of re-invites. I didn't fight the government because I'm some political activist. Fought the government because I believe in the finished work of the cross. And they were hindering me from doing that. And we've had people come to this church since this happened. And they're all like, finally got my guy, my pastor. And then they heard me preach two, three Sundays. They were outsies. Gone. Because I'm all about the gospel. And if the government gets in my way, whatever. Run them over. And if the devil gets in my way, whatever. We'll just run him over. I'm going to be moved in my guts for compassion. For the people of God. Because I believe in it. So if you're moved by this political stuff and you're really mad at the government for doing the thing and the stuff and the thing and the stuff. We'll find out how much of that is just your emotionalism. The cool hip thing to do to talk bad about the government. Or is it real? Is it actually God bringing a holy dissatisfaction to you about the state of the world? Are you actually, you know, like people like, well, abortion's evil and wrong. What are you doing about it? Well, I posted something on Facebook. Oh, yep, that saves all the babies. Cancer, the big C, evil, bad, devil. What are you doing about it? Well, I'm wearing a, a, I got a pink thing on my shirt for breast cancer. I bought a shirt, paid an extra $5 to get the shirt. Oh, you are divine. Lay hands on the sick and not, I just tied in breast cancer and like, <laughs> lay hand. Go, <laughs> go heal the It doesn't matter where you touch them. No, wait. You guys do this. This is you. This ain't me. This is you. You guys say stuff. 
and then I. If you if you if cancer is an evil in your world, what are you doing about it? If abortion's an evil in your world, what are you doing about it? If if tyranny is an evil in your world, what are you doing about it? If the government um, making it okay, uh, like in California, to commit pedophilia, what are you doing about it? What are you doing about it? Because most folks complain about it. I got a bunch of amens on all the political stuff. Go lay hands on the sick. Well, now you're giving me amens because I never prepped you. <laughs> If you're actually moved in your guts, you're going to release. You know what Jesus said comes out of their belly? Rivers of living water. You could say rivers of water that give life. If you're struggling to see people get healed when you lay hands on them, maybe you're just not doing it from your gut. You do it from your doctrine, good luck. You do it from your guts. That sickness and that disease has got no chance. Because all of heaven's coming against it like a river of rushing mighty water. But it coincides with compassion and being stirred on the deep parts of who you are. And this is not politically correct in today's world. We don't get passionate. And fervent about things. We're intellectuals. So was Jesus. He created the atom. Spun the universe with a word. And was moved with compassion towards the masses. And healed every sick person. I always, I don't always want to say that. I barely never get to the end. But I do believe that it's better to leave you wanting more than to not. There's way more to this, but i got to be done. Because you guys are giving me those eyes. And I don't want you to be moved with compassion at me. So I'd like to bless you. Thank you so much for sharing a few moments with us as we have encountered Jesus Christ through the ministry of his precious, life-changing word. If you'd like to learn more about the ministry of Pastor Steve Castle and Beloved Church, please visit us online at BelovedChurchIllinois.com or call us at 815-990-0367. Always remember that you are part of the Beloved Family of God and at Beloved Church, this is where you are greatly loved. Now please open your heart as Pastor Steve proclaims the blessing of the Father over your life. Beloved, I pray, I desire, I declare that above all things that you allow the finished work of the cross to bring prosperity into your finances and also divine health prospering your body. And all of these things are going to affect you in a supernatural way. As you allow your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions, and your personality to be perfected in prosperity that the Father desires for you to have. We love you, and we cannot wait to see and be with you again soon. Goodbye, beloved.